welcome to You Only Listen Twice, the regular Bond podcast where me and a few other people will look at the James Bond franchise, both official, unofficial, garbage, great shit, whatever. I'm Jake. I guess I'm a few other people. I, who have been here since day one, only a couple weeks ago, Jake. Sorry, I've... I, I I don't know what you're talking about because we have other guests with us that have been here since but the beginning. But I'm the co-host. I am the co-host. I don't give a shit. This is a falling Fuck out. You. Are you. This is so disrespectful to Jan, who has been here since the beginning. I, well, I, I've been a series regular since the beginning, Troy. I'm honestly quite offended. You're right, Jan. I, I'm sorry. We're getting Vesper Linded over here. We are getting chucked into the Italian building and held underwater. How fucking dare you? So we're gonna we're gonna we're gonna start this shit again because you just you don't give a crap about Jan. I'm Jake. I'm Troy. And I am not the major Boothroy of this show. I am the Desmond Llewellyn. I will be a serious regular. You motherfucker. Whoa. He whoa, was that a James Bond reference? What? What's what, what's James Bond? Is, is he the movie you made me watch with the old guy with the really bad toupee and who has the chest of Robin Williams? No, that was uh, that was Austin Powers. Yeah, this is James Bond. This is the Scottish guy in a toupee with a hairy chest. And he disguises himself as a Japanese man. I'm back in. Let's All right. Get- All right. Well, guys, um, we had a lot of guests planned for... This episode of From Russia with Love. We reached out to Sean Connery. We reached out to Yafayette Koda. We reached out to Queen Elizabeth II. Everyone who made Bond special. And uh, we're still waiting on their response. But uh, hopefully we can get them in a future episode. Yeah, no, it's it, the year is 2023. None of those things have changed. Wait, sorry. Uh, I'm being told by our producer, Paul. Wait, what do you mean? They're all dead? Oh, what? Should I send a card? We should send a card. Yeah, we had we had a special guest lineup. You know what? We should just stop doing this. You know, we should just stop doing this. I'm done. I'm 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 done. You know what? We had a good run. Get two episodes in 2020, one episode in 2023. Now, now this is this isn't gonna work. This isn't gonna work. It's not called you'll only listen thrice. What's what's the point of doing a podcast if on Her Majesty's Secret Service the title doesn't make any sense anymore? I mean, does Russia still exist? Did Russia even exist at the time of From Russia with Love? These are the hard questions we're asking. Well, despite our meltdown and our shaky start, we are here to talk about the second entry in the James Bond official James Bond film series a film that is beloved by many uh people say it's the best including sean connery frequently said it was the best we are talking about of course never say never again no i meant from russia with love directed by terrence young released in 1963 uh so before we get into our big discussion about everything we should probably get into the plot so you guys understand what we're talking about here. We don't want to leave you hanging and just go into a discussion and you, you have no idea what the hell is going on. So Jan, our longtime co-host of the show. Yes. What is the plot of From Russia with Love? Yeah. 
Fuck you, dude. Uh, so <laughs> this is, uh, it's it's weird because it's probably the most spy-y of the James Bond movies. It's been called like an Alfred Hitchcock ripoff in the past, yeah. uh, which we'll get more into. Uh, and just like in some of Alfred Hitchcock's best movies, the plot is incredibly uh, convoluted in a very spy way. Convoluted? Um, what are you talking about? It makes perfect sense. It's just that an evil terrorist organization wants to get revenge on some random British-Scottish secret agent. Yeah, because they and, killed their Chinese uh, scientist that was doing evil shit in Jamaica. That's which, the plot of Dr. No for those listening at home. Yes. Uh, they, so in the last movie, James Bond killed a man in yellow face and Spectre, who's the organization that this guy was a part of, is very angry about that. So they hire like a, a, a chess master uh, to yes. hire another woman who is part of Spectre to hire another guy who is part of Spectre uh, because that guy they think is really good at killing James Bond because he killed another guy that was dressed as James Bond at the beginning. So they're gonna... <sighs> Jesus Christ. They have to hire one more person, Jan. Who's the other woman they hire? Yes, so there we go. So the 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 previous woman, uh, Rosa Klebb, she used to be part of Smirsh, which is the evil Soviet Union people, but now she's not. Now she's part of Spectre, but now she's pretending to be part of Smirsh. And she hires this hot Russian lady uh, to sort of, uh, she, she has to tell uh, Bond that she she wants to defect and, and they have to get the lector, which- What is the lector? What I is don't know. I've seen this movie 20 times and I do not know what the lector is. It's a is. decoder. The gears inside it will tell you to how to read secret messages. It's in a case that's brown. Much like James Bond's eyes. Brown like your eyes. Keep it technical. Yeah, it's a it's a thing. It's it's our MacGuffin, our lost arc that doesn't really matter. Um, but they have to get this like Inspector also wants it. Yes. So I guess this is like killing two birds with one stone for them, right? Yeah, it's like basically. It doesn't really make sense because Rosa Kleb is in charge of the woman who has the the lector. So Rosa Klebb's part of Spectre. So Spectre has always had access to the Lecter. Yeah. But the main thing is they want revenge on James Bond. So they figure the best way to do it and humiliate the British government is to convince Bond that this hot lady wants to defect because she wants to fuck him, basically, yes. and turn over this very valuable MacGuffin machine. And the British obviously know it's a trap and they do it anyway because we just need this thing so much. But ah, James Bond will do anything for, for, for country. But does he have feelings for Tatiana? No. And it's it's the worst <laughs> plan ever because it's flawless. Flawless execution. <laughs> Spectre is counting on the fact 
that they're going to end up shagging to the point where the first time that they fuck, uh, they're like watching them. They're recording it. The they, they, they're recording it to film James Bond in a compromising position so that it turns out that James Bond would find out that Tatiana has this tape bribe him that she's going to send it to the police if she doesn't marry him so that makes him kill her and kill himself and this will all be staged by red grant who is watching this and making sure this all comes into play it is a very simple plan i don't know how you think it's complicated this is very easy i've watched this movie 15 times and it's made sense every single time troy what do you want you're right i don't well know. We'll just have to see. Will this very simple, well thought out and executed plan be able to take out 007? Well, it's the second movie of like 26. So draw your own conclusions if you haven't seen it. Yes. And these people, Spectre are very bad at just shooting him. Oh, yeah. No, for some reason, it's hand to hand combat. They train a guy in like wrestling. Like their whole plan is he has to be in like a tiny train compartment when James Bond the logical man is bringing a sniper rifle like to lunch. Like he is prepared for range weaponry. Yeah, he's the the that guy. What's his name? Nash Cash? No, his name is Red Grant. First name Donald. They're going to hire a guy named Donald to set this up. He's already secretly killed people before. He killed the KGB agent in the mosque. He set up uh, the death of the Russian agent in Karim Bay on the train spoilers. Nobody bats an eye. But then oh. when James Bond comes in, he he, he talks to him. And yeah. that's what messes him up. And also greed over earning a hundred gold <laughs> sovereigns so that Bond can smoke a cigarette before he's uh, mercilessly shot to death. I I love that in this movie... James Bond is given a main gadget to help him with it, and it has, like, a sniper rifle, it has a throwing knife. No. What saves the day for him is the 50 gold sovereigns that <laughs> MI6 Money. has tastefully lined inside and don't forget, of the briefcase it's not just his. It's not just his gold sovereigns. It is the gold sovereigns that is in Nash's case that Red Grant steals when he disguises himself as Nash. Because Bond, because it's a standard, it's standard issue equipment as, as Q, oh, it's, it's Boothroyd. He is credited as yes. Boothroyd. He is the same character from Dr. No. That is the yes. same guy. Yep. He is now Desmond Llewellyn. And now he just becomes Q, like from the rest so, of the series. But he's not quite Q yet. No, he just comes in and says shit and then leaves. Basically. They do use the name Boothroyd in reference to Q. In one additional later Bond movie, can anyone tell me which Bond movie it is? Man, get the fuck out. No one cares about you nerd shit. It's the spy who loved me. <laughs> I'm back. Good movie. Oh, uh, I love it. But from Russia with love, I don't know. It's, this is the only James Bond movie I've seen more than twice. This was my third time watching it. My opinion on it changes every time I watch it. And I'm forced to conclude... That much like the character of Red Grant, who either is a lifelong English assassin or a baby who's been artificially engineered to kill only James Bond and he's only a couple weeks old, I don't know. But Troy, I find don't Russia you with, get... I, I've, uh, I was going to say I that... I find Russia with love! <laughs> Sorry, continue. Cool, but confusing. 
yes. Um, I am also in the same ballpark with Troy. I, I actually, it's always in my top 10. It's never in my top spot. Like I, I, I'm a person that prefers Goldfinger more like out of the Connery movies, like Goldfinger or Thunderball more than From Rush With Love. And it's weird because especially when I was rewatching it, it's like everything about it is freaking solid. The editing is on pace. It's just like boom, 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 boom. It's entertaining. I even though even though I, I I get that from the last couple times I watch it, I still kind of feel like we're not quite at that level of James Bond of like that of like all the things that come in. It's like a lot of things are there. You know, we have the gadgets we got. Well, we have a briefcase. We have a briefcase, but that is a gadget. <laughs> it is quite cool. Can you t do you have a briefcase that has 0.25 caliber bullets at the bottom, I don't think so. I can, I can put a knife in, in my briefcase and just stab someone with it. But can your briefcase <laughs> emit tear gas in a bottle of talc when if you don't open it correctly? I don't think so. Honestly, it doesn't look that hard. An exploding pen? I can't do that shit. I can just shake up a Coke real hard, put it in a briefcase, and then have someone else open it as a prank. No, but can you the make it so that you have to turn the latches 90 degrees to open it so that, so like if some poor busboy or TSA is checking it, they just get fucking tear gas. Oh, oh okay, that is pretty cool. I'll, I'll admit that. I know people say these movies are dated, but I do think we are missing a wonderful sequence where Sean Connery's James Bond has to go through TSA nowadays, and the James Bond music is just blaring at me as he silently shuffles forward once at a time. Like, if Terrence Young, if Terrence Young was making movies today, you know that shit would be fired. Well, the thing in For Rush With Love when he is checking his hotel room for bugs. Yes, I was going to mention that. And what's <laughs> even stranger is... The there's no other like soundtrack in the room, but they purposefully mixed it low when they're like, okay, this is too loud and this is too awesome. Like this part where it's like, da -da, da -da. and so they mix it lower so it doesn't like, like interfere with the scene because all he's doing is just looking at like the walls or looking behind the painting and looking at the chandelier and then checking the thing on the phone. And that's all that's happening. And they're just like, okay. We have, they had somebody mixing it in 1963 going like, okay, you got to bring it lower. Bring it lower. Yeah. Okay, well now we got to blaze that shit up. No, the, the main theme is spammed less so than in no Dr. No, where like he's like clipping his fingernails and it. <laughs> Are you checking in, sir? I would argue that the use of the Bond theme well, it's used more frequently in Dr. No, but it's used more appropriately and it works more so than in this Here one. Here or in Dr. No? I would say in Dr. No, it's it's used more appropriately in Dr. No than in the one scene that it's in. I, I think I would agree. The, the, the hotel room scene is like hilarious. And like, I think that, that scene speaks to like, I think you can tell sometimes Terrence Young, uh, he, he was one of the mo more slower paced uh, Bond directors. And I think as amazing as yeah. some of the said pieces are, 
he does kind of struggle to like make the non-said piece scenes like exciting so it's just like just put the theme in you know like that's a cool well, theme. i would say that what i thought i actually felt that hotel room scene worked better than the scene in dr no because it felt with dr no the music is just blaring when he's checking in like it's just used because james bond is on the screen and not so much because of what he was doing whereas in from russia with love i actually did think it was kind of cool how the music really surged when he's like checking for like room tap wiring and it's like grounded spy stuff because i think that's where this movie is that is most successful is when terrence young is kind of embracing more that grounded spy element i would agree with you if it was edited or shot in a more interesting or dynamic way how, how dare you how fucking dare you because here's what i was going to say before terrence young here the, like the main contributions to, to the bond movies is that he actually had the level, you know, like the, the 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 snobbery. He could walk the walk the same way that Ian Fleming was able to do that in the books. Like, you know, like, oh, uh, what suit is he wearing? Or what is he going to eat? What drink is he going to... Uh, he, he trained Sean Connery to be that, and he brought that along with, like, the, the dark humor... Just not in the, not really in the books. I'm only three books in right now, but not really in the books. Yeah, but he much. defined a shit ton but, of the character. Yeah, he def yeah, and the the filmmaking is, it's like there he gets everything, but like what really gives it the energy that you otherwise might have not had if you didn't have this person was Peter Hunt. Peter Hunt is the editor. Oh, yeah. Well, and uh, when we get to Her Majesty's Secret Service, we'll see, like, this guy understands his shit, at least. Yeah, no, because the, um, the thing about this, this movie, like, uh, like, you really notice in this movie, like, even compared to Dr. No, because this, this the, the filming of this movie was completely cursed from the get go. <laughs> yes. Uh, Where they I had. Yeah, like, uh. A bunch of things going wrong. Terrence Young almost died in a helicopter crash. Daniela Bianchi got into a yep. car crash and her face got fucked up for a week. Uh, Freaking Pedro Almadares got diagnosed with cancer and they had to move all the scenes to Pinewood. You could barely like stand. Uh, yep. Th they had to shoot the boat chase twice because in Istanbul, the boats wouldn't go. The tides were bad and they had to move it to Scotland. <laughs> And uh, the big explosion that they did went off when the cameras weren't rolling. <laughs> like, all this fucking shit going on. The script was constantly being rewritten. They had, because they decided to not go the political route of having the Soviets be the villains. It had to be Spectre. And they ha they didn't quite figure it out, even when they were shooting, how Spectre was really involved. So, literally, Peter Hunt gets, like basically a mess because they're trying to figure this out as he goes and you can really kind of see him like pulling his fucking hair out going like okay i need to make this jump cuts right here boom who cares uh i gotta the, the fight scene's gotta be quick boom 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 oh uh the beginning of the movie was supposed to be it was supposed to start off with the it was the bond fake out thing and then that went into rosa club going to specter island going like you're the perfect man for the job and then that went into her recruiting tatiana then we went into the chess match and then we went into blowfield's yacht where they explain what the hell is going on so you have like 
they had no idea what they're freaking doing. So like you would have like four scenes if it was, you know, if they didn't figure this out, you had four scenes where people are just doing random shit and you don't know why they're doing this shit. And then Peter Hunt comes in and with Terrence Young and they're just like, okay, we need to completely reframe everything. Why don't we put the titles all in between this? Then we do the chess scene. Then we do the plot. And then now we understand why Rosa Club is here. And now why we why we understand that they're recruiting Tatiana. And they had to reshoot the yacht scenes. And they couldn't rebuild the set. So they're like, what the fuck do we do? And Peter Hunt's like, well, what we could do is I have this medium shot of Rosa Club. We could take that, blow it up, get... Uh, uh, Lottie, uh, I Lottie Linia. Lottie Linia. We could take her, put her in front of herself in the background, and that's that's how we're gonna get reshoots of like explaining what the plot fucking means, which is just like the the level of like fucking desperation that you would have, and just like, <laughs> like Peter Hunt has is like. I will say this about the plot of the movie. I believe when the Broccoli started the series, they their goal was to try to like eight North by Northwest. And I think of all the James Bond movies, for better or worse, this feels the most like North by Northwest. Oh, absolutely, and it's like random no, yeah. stuff. No doubt about. It. I mean, the, the the helicopter and everything. Like, I think even uh, if you've ever getting pretentious for a bit, if you've ever read the Hitchcock Truffaut book, we had Truffaut to always constantly throwing shit at this movie. <laughs> it it is lesser. I would. It is it lesser. North yeah. by Northwest, because I think North by Northwest has a better villain and a better love story. But I do. Think and you're talking movie... about the love story is surely between James Mason and Martin Landau. Yeah. Just just all of them. Just all just... the love stories. North by Northwest is a movie about love. Yes. This this is a movie about trying to avoid a very oily man on a train. It's not really about anything. <laughs> I, I I like this time, this time watching the movie, I like that when Tatiana, the Russian girl, is given the picture by Rosa Klebb, she's just like, Ugh! like she is not excited. She, she does not care for James Bond until I would not say any earlier than 80 minutes into this 115 minute movie. Like this is not fun for her. Yeah. I, I think it would have been fun if at the end of the movie, instead of killing uh, Rosa Klebb, James Bond would have just fucked her. Well, you know, it, it is bold. Uh, fun trivia from the book that might explain why the ending to this movie, where Rosa Klebb just pops up as a maid and then Tatiana doesn't know which one to shoot, even though they are at opposite ends of the room trying to kick each other, which I find hilarious. In the book... Uh, which took place before Dr. No, Rosa Klebb kicks James Bond with the knife that's poisoned, and the book ends with James Bond being, like, poisoned and like, oh, well, guess I'm not making it. Because this was Ian Fleming's, like, trial balloon to be like, can I kill him off? Can I be done with it? So instead, we get this. It was the final problem of James Bond, where it's just like, this is going to be as Moriarty as, like, this... This 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 random short Russian lady kicks him with a poison boot, and then she gets arrested, and then he's just dying. <laughs> I I, th I think it's 
awesome in the movie how Rosa Klebb is comes in like wearing a wig. It's like she doesn't know what you look like, <laughs> and it doesn't. And it, it, it like immediately Tatiana's just like, wait a second, you're Rosa Klebb. <laughs> so, <laughs> like it's a disguise, and, and Rosa Klebb's like shushing her. <laughs> Shh, no, you know, because I just like again until the very last frame of the movie, Tatiana does not know whose side she's on. Like, she still is like, maybe I should shoot James Bond for this old lady I barely know. Yeah. <sighs> Even though it's been established that this woman doesn't have anything to do with Smirsh anymore. Yeah. The thing is, is that she doesn't know because she was drugged by Red Grant, it, like, on the train. So she doesn't know all the details that she has been had the entire time. For all we know, that Bond hasn't told her. Well, Kumba, uh, yeah, but, but I, I would have. If I was Bond, I would have told her. <laughs> like, no, but he didn't even tell her about the film because he's like looking at the film, and uh, she's like, "What is that?" Or, like the film of them fucking that they recorded in yeah. the hotel room, and he's going like, "Ooh," and she's like, "What is that?" And he's like, uh, "Let me show you." And then they, and then they fuck on on a, on a public space, just 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 the same as uh, Doctor No. Yes, they should have just pe- wait. Aren't they? Recorded in that scene or something? No, that's why like some tour. No, because uh, some tour. Some yeah, tourists. no, it's because some tourists are recording. Uh, oh, so someone is still yeah. recording. Someone's them recording, and then the she's just like, "James, behave yourself. We're being okay. we're being filmed." But she has no idea that they were filmed at the hotel. And then Bond's like, "Oh yeah," and he's looking at the film, and she's like, "What is that?" Let me. So when those I'll show you. tourists reveal that film. They're just gonna be like, oh my god! Like they're just gonna see like James Bond getting the sloppiest BJ on a boat. <laughs> yes, be brutal. Um, no, again, this kind of ties into my wider issue with the love part of From Russia with Love is that the whole plot of the villains and the whole emotional thrust of the movie is James Bond's relation with this Russian agent. They do not meet until one hour into the one hour and 115 movie. And like we're saying here, why doesn't James Bond tell her? Why doesn't James Bond talk to her? I'm not convinced James Bond has a single conversation with her other than, I bought you a nighty. <laughs> like, I don't think they talk. Well, the, the, well, the thing is, is that they're play acting the entire time. Like, she's putting on a show for him. He's putting up, going along with it. And so he fucking snaps when Karen Bay dies and he goes like, fuck this shit. <laughs> Who are you working for? But even though like Tatiana doesn't really know anything about Spectre, she's just, for all she knows, she's been, she's still on this undercover KGB thing, but she's confused because Bond bought her a nightgown. And she's like, I dig this British man. I'm going to wear this revealing nightdress in Piccadilly Square. It's going to be great. Does she really love him or does she not? It's it's very Hitchcockian in that way. Um, except that this is very, very silly. It's very surface. It's very purposefully surface level to a oh, point. Oh, yeah. You don't want a deep James Bond movie or else you end up with shit like, I don't know, <laughs> no time. What, what, what are you talking about? Oh, Wait. that's right. The movie hasn't come out yet. Yeah, the movie hasn't. Come. I haven't seen that movie. Uh, it, it it should be a it should be a good movie. I'm I'm actually still kind of excited for it. I'm glad they delayed it. We're all gonna love No Time to Die. It's gonna be a great movie. I just talked to Sean, and he told me he has no time to die in 2020. 
because he's got to see but, No Time but, to Die. But Troy, but Troy, surely you mean before he died because producer Paul Wait, what? who's with us right now, producer Paul told us that Sean Connery died. Wait, no one tells me anything on this podcast. Paul, is this true? Yeah, now that you mention it. <laughs> I am kept in the dark. All of our guests, all of our guests, Yafayette Kodo, what? Sean Connery. Oh my God. Roger Moore is dead. Paul, you didn't think that this was important information as a producer to tell us before we started the podcast? Look, uh, uh, yeah, producer Paul here. Um, I, I, I didn't want to uh, ruin your discussion. You know, I, 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 because we've been on such a roll these last few weeks, creating this, the starting this podcast. Um, I really, I, I thought, you know, I wanted to get your reactions fresh. You know, not to be colored by the fact that. Uh, one or more of these characters may in fact be dead. James Bond is alive, to be clear. James Bond is alive. Oh yeah, well, okay, yeah, because it would be if they kill the character, they're never gonna do that. Yeah, they would, would never do James that Bond? because it is the most, it would be the stupidest decision ever. It would, especially with someone like Daniel Craig, it would be like just the most, what's the word I'm looking for? Uh, Off topic, I would punch a child. Stupid, I would punch a child <laughs> Uh, it, it would be horrible. It'd be self-aggrandizing. It would be embarrassing on his part because he's his ego is so big that he's taking the character with him. I don't think he would do that. No, he's not that much of an asshole. And if he did, you know, I'm sure we, I mean, I can only imagine, you know, the years of, of irate discussion that I would be subject to from you and others. Uh, who could imagine that? No one can. Now, can I say something about our late, dear, departed friend, Sean Connery? I think his performance in From Russia With Love is his best performance as James Bond, and I realize this time why. It is because he is acting like a 10-year-old boy throughout the entire movie. He's like, oh, don't slap me, and making little faces and being a little giggly, and it's delightful, and I, I think he should be proud of his work in here because james bond is a little boy you are wrong troy his best performance is never say never again oh well, surely yes that's when he's playing sean connery here he's playing james bond uh well never say never again we'll we'll, we'll get to it soon but uh i i think he still has that little boy edge in goldfinger and thunderball it's honestly, you only live twice is where he starts to lose it, but he has that edge in those first four movies where he's actually into playing the character. Yeah, watching yes. Sean Connery as James Bond is like looking for when the light goes out of his eyes. Like yeah. in every scene, you're like, is it still there? Yeah. Does he still want to be here? And then you get to, you only live twice and it's like, a meat puppet. <laughs> Each film, you're you're scrutinizing his eyes and his hairline. You're trying to see is is there a any truth here? You Paul, know? did we allow you to speak? Yeah, I don't remember allowing Paul to speak. Shut the fuck up, Paul. Come back to producing. I speak when spoken to. All right, goodbye. Jan has a point. Jan has been here since day one, and you have never let him get a point across. I Paul. put in the work. I I I built this from day one. He believed in us. Where were you, Paul? But Paul, uh, what do you think of For Much With Love? <laughs> uh, oh, I'm back now. Okay. Um, 
It's pretty good. Um, <laughs> uh, yeah, I don't know if we need context for this, but I've I've seen a fair amount of Bond, uh, but plenty of blind spots. Not not my favorite, not my least favorite of the franchises. Pretty good. Anyway, this is this is a one of the better ones for sure. It- uh, probably top ten out of twenty five. <laughs> I dare sure. say. I dare say. Uh, what am I? I think I scribbled down a few uh, hot takes. Uh, okay. I will say while you look for that, um, okay. I my relationship with this movie is kind of interesting because when I first watched it, I watched all the Bond movies in order. So I never saw a James Bond movie for the first time in full that wasn't in the like release order. And this movie, when I first saw it after just seeing Dr. No, I'm like, this is okay. It's not really doing anything special. But then after you watch like 15 of these and you come back to this one, it's like, oh, look, he's doing the thing. He's like running down the exploding hallway. Like you're like, you get a better appreciation. It's like, oh, this is where they're really creating the James Bond like style that they'll use in later films. Yeah, more so in Goldfinger. Goldfinger is where it all like comes together, but they added a little bit more because... Like, Dr. No is still, like, kind of in that B-movie realm. It's like, the elevated B-movie, which I love Dr. No. That's not, that's not shitting on it. That, that's just kind of, like, like, it's a British spy action B-movie from the 60s. And that's what Bond was uh, in the beginning. And then it kind of gradually got bigger and bigger and bigger and then you have uh it's still going today with uh the latest release no time to die which we're all very excited for we're all very excited for we're we're very excited to talk about it we love the grounded bond the grounded bond that was only in from russia with love then licensed to kill and then that's all we got from 2005 to now but this one's gonna be fun i think craig will have fun in this Craig Wolf have fun, and, and they'll probably fix Blofeld, who was kind yeah. of the leading inspector. Yeah. Uh, I'm very excited to see uh, Rami Malek as Dr. No. Uh, you know, just... Oh, just, yeah. Uh, you know he's totally, he's totally going to be Dr. No. I, I heard a rumor his code name. His code name might be Lucifer Satan, but that sounds... <laughs> oh, that would be... Oh my god! Awful. But, yeah, that's that's obviously a code name. They can't be that stupid. It's like yeah. uh, it's like John Harrison in uh, Star Trek in the Darkness. It's obviously Wait, a code what's name. What's that movie? Oh, uh, there was a movie. Uh, who d- uh, who directed it? Um, I I don't think you've ever heard of him. He's like I don't know. He's like some. He's he's kind of like a like a McG. Okay, was it directed by AI? I hear they do that now. They make movies by AI. It wasn't quite AI. It's mm. uh, it was you could call it the AI of the two thousands. Okay, you know, like you know, like your, you know, back in the day we had McG for that. Yeah, exactly. We had we had McG to have that. He's kind of like McG, but uh, he did um, another spy movie, uh, Alias, and okay. Uh, oh, he's the guy from The Big Bang Theory. Oh, yeah. Oh, I know who you're talking about now. Yeah. Oh, he was great on that show. I don't know why he went into directing. That show is awesome. Bazinga. I love Sheldon. You know, it it, it was a great follow-up because he did Big Bang Theory after he did Roseanne, a wonderful show. How's she doing? Paul? 
Uh, she's alive and well, I can tell okay. you that. All right, cool. I hope she's still working. Oh, yeah, no, uh, that revival of Roseanne's great. Anyway, back to the back to James Bond. Yeah, I was gonna say. Speaking of Blofeld, this is the first movie where we see Blofeld, and he is number one, and he has the cat, and he doesn't have the eye. He doesn't. You don't see his face. You just see him petting the cat. Yes, and the man. actor who I forget does he play him or does he dub him? Is Anthony Dawson? He plays him. So Anthony Dawson, okay. we remember. Well, of course, everybody remembers. Jen, you remember, yeah. surely. Paul, I I know you care. Uh, Anthony Dawson played uh, Professor Dent yes. in Doctor No. Ah, uh, yes. Oh, my God. He also played James Bond in Danielle Bianchi's screen test, which was the hotel bedroom scene, which they've used subsequently to test out Bond girls and Bond actors. Oh. He's also in Dial M for Murder, so it all comes back to him. So that, ex so, so that explains why he... Uh, he because he sounds well. He's Scottish, right? So <laughs> no, no, no. It's a different actor who plays. Him. Oh, okay, I so we're hearing. Him. Okay. What's important to know? Wait, question, Jake. I know we talked yeah. about this in Doctor No. How many people in this movie are dubbed? Like, I know Daniela Bianchi is. I know Anthony Dawson is. An inordinate amount of people are dubbed. Is Robert Shaw dubbed? No, that's his voice. That's oh, his voice. Oh, okay. He just sounds like that. Okay. No, he, no, he yeah. sounds like Robert Shaw sounds, he pretty much, like, if you watch, like, The Sting or Taking Apollo 1, 2, 3, like, he pretty much sounds like that. Sounds but, like uh, but Daniela Bianchi is dubbed. Oh, is she? Yes. Yeah. I'm not sure if Eunice Gason's dubbed again because mm. <laughs> Eunice Gason. Who is Sylvia Trench from? She's back. She's back briefly. Yeah, I think the only uh, Bond girl that comes back twice, uh, apart from Madeline Swan, which will be on the new movie No Time to Die. Oh yes. Yes. Uh, Maude Adams. Uh, Barbara Bach almost came back, but we'll we'll talk about that later. But uh, Sylvia Trench. I do want to say I feel Sylvia Trench again. I kind of like the idea of Bond having a regular girlfriend, but I also hate it because it really just makes Ursula Andress and Daniela Bianchi look like disposable. Like that, I think that's yeah. the worst part of it. It's like you don't want him to be <laughs> like a, a stable girlfriend besides Money Penny. Like it gets weird. Well, it's it's weird when you're doing a movie called From Rush with Love, and I know this is it's like not actually like a love it's it's it, you know it's bond love but it kind of takes away from even that when you have <laughs> sylvia trench waiting behind going like i haven't seen you in three months i need to <laughs> fuck you on this picnic you must be late to your meeting there's there's no love in this movie and they don't go to russia i know it's not it, even it's, like it's the bad lie. guy it's a lie on a lie oh um another fun fact about weird title changes in the book uh, the lector, the lector device is called Spectre. The Spector. The Spector oh, device, oh. but they had to change it when they brought Spectre into this movie. I honestly think the decision to make Spectre the villain rather than the Russians was probably the most genius move <laughs> that this movie did because... I don't know. I still, I'm going through the Bond books right now. I still need to get to From Russia with Love. But the idea of like the Russians like planning this because, oh, he's killed too many of our spies. We're going to humiliate him. That sounds more like a 
like an eccentric group of terrorists like Spectre that like that kind of plan because it's just so like petty assholes. Yeah. It's so petty and like ridiculous and stuff that like it re- it only makes sense by people who like have like a terrorist training island who would like breed people to do shit like this. I love the school. I love the school too. The I hate great. that the school has never been returned to. They have a school where they train Red Grant. And you know where the, you know where the school is located? Uh is it the Xavier School for Gifted Youngsters mansion? No. Oh. Spectre Island, which was apparently it's called Spectre Island. They actually shot it at in the gardens of Pinewood Studios. But that's where the base is located. They have an island named Spectre Island where they take like anonymous henchmen and train and train them. No one would ever suspect it. It's 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 great. It's fantastic. I love it. You're a really good henchman. It looks like 85% of your time there. It's just getting oiled up by this, like, naked babe until they come along and tell you, like, all right, go shoot James Bond. Until until you can strangle another person in a Mission Impossible mask with Sean Connery's face. So, so one one thing about that, uh, is, is this the only uh, pre-title sequence without James Bond? No. 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 The man with the golden gun has absolutely no James Bond. Only no, it's a, a similar thing, right? Isn't not Roger really. Moore a fake James Bond in them? It, it is a fake. It's a mannequin. Oh, but James it's not Bond. Roger Moore. Yeah. It's, well, but it is Roger Moore. But he's trying to kill uh, some gangster yeah. guy, who the actor actually was in Diamonds Are Forever, but now he's in Man with the Golden Gun. And James Bond is one of the dummies in Scaramanga's shooting lair, and okay. it ends with the scene of Scaramanga shooting up Bond's fingers and shooting his dick and it, as it pushes into his face. Classic. Oh. I love the man with the golden gun. I think it is the Im- improved second draft of From Russia With Love and then Living Daylight <laughs> is like the finesse okay. third draft. Anyway, Troy, Troy, I don't believe you. I don't believe you. <laughs> I One thing I do want to point out about Connery, again, because I feel this is his acting peak, he very believably plays, like, once you watch the movie and you know he is not playing James Bond in the opening scene, he is playing some random guy dressed up as James Bond. <laughs> he, he's believable. Like, his mannerisms are different. He looks very schlovenly and, like, he moves weird. And I'm like, good good for you, Sean. The, the, the tragedy of the pre-title is the first pre-title sequence ever. And yeah. it has a really cool atmosphere. And you're like, oh, shit, what's going on? And then it ends, and you're just sort of like, oh. (laughs) (laughs) You're like, that that wasn't really that cool. But then, then we get the title sequence, which is fucking amazing. It's like one of the best ones, in my opinion. Really? It's so cool that you can forgive the fact that they misspelled one of the actors' names in the credits. Martine Beswick, one of the Romani women who fight to the death to have sex with yeah. a prince who is James Bond because James Bond gets adopted into the Romani tribe. We haven't talked about it because it's not relevant, but it's 30 minutes of the movie. Um, <laughs> uh, Classic. They, they call her Martin Beswick in the credits. They gave her a man's name. Dumb matter. They, they could have called Sean Connery Siobhan Roy, and I would not give a shit. <laughs> That is how fucking cool that opening. I think that James Bond opening titles should go back to projecting uh, 
you know, the titles on Naked Ladies. Not because it makes my tipping part, but it, it looks so cool. It is. Well, uh, the funny thing is, we yeah, we go from Maurice Bender, who designed the James Bond gun barrel sequence, designed the titles for Dr. No. For yes. some reason, he didn't come back for this one, and they got Robert Brownjohn. And he did the title sequences for both From Rush With Love and Goldfinger. And I have to say, I I like the titles from From Rush With Love, but I I prefer the Maurice Bender titles like more because I, I, I'm like, And they're oh. different. Yeah, they're they're di- they are yeah, but then by Goldfinger, it's like, oh, that's just like your your gig is just projecting things onto women. <laughs> that's it. I don't like the. I know this sacrilege, but I don't like the Goldfinger quite as much because I like in this. one... First of all, I love the fucking. The, da, 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 da. I, I love the songs and I love the way that like they're moving. You know, like I love when there's like the first name in one leg and then the last name in and Yeah, in I like leg. the movement. Like, I'll, I'll agree with Jan. Well, there. the fact that it's like Dia- Daniela Bianchi's name, it's like an introduced Daniela Bianchi. And then it's like the shot of the legs going like Daniela Bianchi, Daniela Bianchi. Yeah, it's, it's so good. And, and, and that music, I don't know. Like I like the theme song with, with the, with the voice, but the 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 one that they have at the opening credits, I, I it's the rare case where I prefer it like that because it's I I I it just gets my blood pumping, not just because of the naked lady. Nothing gets my blood pumping more than nineteen sixties crooners, nineteen sixties crooners at doing a Bond song. Yes, it's it that is I I do like the theme song because again the opening credits to this movie they're earthy they're like solid they're concrete it's instrumental music it's like the beginning it's like style but it's still like a real movie it is not about the mystique of james bond it's about the mystique of the vibe because this was their last chance at making like this was the last time they tried to make a real movie and not a james bond movie like with goldfinger it becomes james bond i movie. disagree i think they were still trying to do that and <laughs> they were still trying to make a james bond movie and honestly, the fact that this movie works as well as it does is kind of a miracle. Yeah. Like, like I said before about like everything going wrong and them like not figuring out what the story is. And they're just like, how do we make this entertaining or as as entertaining as possible? What I think works in this movie's favor, though, is yes, I do think they agree in that in that while I really don't think the story doesn't flow well, I think every moment there's just so much craft and energy and zip and like all the little moments, all the Dutch angles, all the giant Bob Hope, Anita Ekberg billboards that he has to shoot. Corporate synergy. Mouth. Another Eon production. They call me Buana, which I've never seen. I'm not. Does it even still exist? I'm sure you could find it lost on YouTube. Lost media. <laughs> it lost media. Uh, Anita Ekberg and Bob Hope and call me Buana. Uh, Buana. Uh, but I was going to say, Jake, maybe you could refresh your memory from last week. But oh, yes. uh, in terms of the franchise saying like, oh, that this is the last chance for whatever. Did, did Dr. No like call his shot also and say he's coming back and from Russia with love? No, they don't. They don't at the end of from Russia with love. I mean, I mean of Dr. No. Um, I think the main thing that like really helped this movie because... Uh, Dr. No got released in the UK and it was like a giant hit 
made a ton of money. One of the most financially successful movies of the year. Uh, it did really well in France, did really well in Germany. It was coming to the United States and they were kind of not sure how to market it because they're like, who's going to want to see this movie about this posh British guy uh, who's a spy? So they're still waiting on that, but they're kind of like, eh, maybe it'll hit in America. Who knows? It does, but they're already filming from Rush With Love at this point. But just from the box office receipts alone in the UK, they're like, all right, we're going to double your budget right now. And uh, Cubby Broccoli and Harry Saltzman are like, okay, well, for the next one, we're going to do From Rush With Love. Because in 1961, Kennedy listed his yes. favorite books. And I, was I like, wanted to mention that. Yeah, no, uh, <laughs> oh, yeah. This, is going back, this is going back to why this movie is cursed. Yes. In 1961, Kennedy lists his favorite books. And includes it on his list. And everyone's like, what? This, this lurid, weird uh, pulp series? You like this? And they're just like, ooh, money in the bank. Kennedy loves this. They filmed the movie. We already talked about like all the bad things that happened there. Kennedy gets an advanced print of it just before he goes to Texas. <laughs> it was the last movie he watched. I actually have a passage in this book oh my god that describes this is a james bond by john cork and bruce skill valley Skivali, and they talk about uh wait let me let me let me find this because this is this is kind of funny imagine if the last movie he ever watched was like moonraker Hey, that I, I no complaints for me I, I i hate to say it but i think he dodged a bullet am i right that would have gotten a double take for me. Here's the piece that it says. In America, a few advanced prints of From Russia With Love were circulating. In November 1963, one of them was screened at the White House for John F. Kennedy. On twenty on tw the 22nd of November, these two... Oh, wait, wait, I gotta go back to the beginning. Jake, you gotta learn how to read if you bring a book to a podcast. <laughs> Sorry, I don't know. I, I'm just learning. <laughs> anyway, no, I got to go back to the previous paragraph. But You're like, reading The Cat in the Hat. You do know that. Yeah, I'm a little worried, Jake. It might be above your reading level. Oh, shit. Uh, five days after From Rush With Love's London premiere, an American James Bond fan applied for a job as a clerk filing uh, book orders in Dallas, Texas. The fan was a bit of an odd fish. He defected to Russia in 1959 and repatriated to the U U.S. in June of 1962. He had recently been arrested in New Orleans, handing out pamphlets for an organization called Fair Play for Cuba. His name was Lee Harvey Oswald. Why is it relevant that he was a James Bond fan? Let me finish. <sighs> in America, a few advanced prints of From Russia With Love were circulating. In November 1963, one of them was screened at the White House for John F. Kennedy. On the 22nd of November, these two Bond aficionados would find their fates forever linked as Kennedy's <laughs> motorcade passed within a few hundred feet of Oswald's perch in Dealey Plaza in Dallas. Oswald fired three shots, two of which hit Kennedy, and the second one fatally wounded him. What? In the flurry of press speculation after the assassination, reports surfaced that both men were reading Bond novels the night before the president was killed. This movie's cursed! Wait, okay, hold up. Why is that book written to suggest that Oswald, like, shot Kennedy on accident? 
when his motorcade accidentally passed by his perch. <laughs> who, who, why, he's just there. Was, was this, was this book written by Spectre, Jake? The, this book is suggesting that Lee Harvey Oswald killed Kennedy. I know. We all know that's bullshit. What, what's next? Jake's gonna, for, I could handle saying the man with the golden gun is a bad movie, but Oliver Stone will have words with you. Wait a second. I found, I've, what, you know what this book is by? It's, it's, it's by a man named Franz Oberhauser. Oh! The author of all your pain. What the fuck? I I have no idea what you're talking about. <laughs> Our producer is confused. You know who's very good in From Russia with Love, who I don't think gets enough respect, and I'm going to be beating this drum a bit. Lois Maxwell. I like that oh. Lois Maxwell gets two scenes yeah. in this movie. Where, yeah. where they're all listening to Bond talk about his sex life. Yeah. And like they they compromise the whole mission when he's like, "What about M in Tokyo, in Japan?" <laughs> oh, once when I was with M in Tokyo, we had an interesting experience. Thank you, Miss Moneypenny. That's all. That's all. Implying that he fucked uh, M in Tokyo. Yeah, I think that's the implication <laughs> that there was an eyes wide shut MI6 party in Tokyo. <laughs> This is your initiation, Mr. Bond. <laughs> Are there any other times where we cut back to them, like, like after? Yeah, yeah, I think they do. Yeah, Maxwell and Lee more, sh more so. I don't think Money Penny and M stayed in the office until after Lee and then Maxwell leave. That's when we stop talking yeah, pretty to much six during the movie until the Craig movies, really. and then right. they start uh, using them, right. like in the field more. Yeah. Yeah. I maintain that Lois Maxwell's Money Penny is the only woman that Sean Connery's Bond like respected and liked and loved, but not that much. Like it still is a very schoolboy flirting because he's a giant ten year old who likes to throw Which his is hat very cool on coat racks to see if he can It is cool, but it is childish, Jen. It is a yeah, no, that's definitely a choice. Like to have him, and it's like, isn't that the one? That's like right when he shows up. Well, yeah. after the after the picnic, of yes. course. Yeah. Uh, well, in the first couple movies, like Lois Maxwell is like, she's not really like because the main thing is like everybody remembers about Money Pennies that she's always doting after Bond, mm -hmm. or she's like always like thirsty after bond that doesn't really happen until like goldfinger yeah really but yeah. like the first and and at least dr no and from rush with love she's like you know doing her own flirtation and putting up like that you know like being kind of like like standing up to bond like bond says his thing she says the thing back bond says his thing and it's like this very mutual thing and then it kind of becomes like bond goes in and goes like Oh, Muddy Penny, I love you. And she's like, oh, let me chase you. Let's fuck right now, basically. But not, not, not really in the first two movies. Not in this one, In the at first least. two movies, everyone's still having fun. Yeah, it's more playful. Uh, how how do we feel about the sexual harassment in the workplace allegations? Um. Oh, that Money Penny's harassing Bond? Awful. He just, he gets a job. He has to go. I, that's what I was going to say. It's like a, a poor guy. <laughs> poor, well, he doesn't get enough. It's, just, it's so weird that even by the second movie, we're all like, so James, this woman's in love with you. I, you're still a secret agent, but apparently random people are falling in love with you. So You have fans. Go. You have fans <laughs> who are Russian cipher clerks. 
<laughs> and then she bullies him. I mean, I mean, we'll talk about this more when we get to Moonraker. But <laughs> I remember that one that like James Bond's like, oh, I wasn't a secret mission, and Monty Punny's like, oh, sure you were, and he's like, yes, I was. You. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Uh, we're gonna bleep that yeah. producer paul i need a producer paul he's, he's not coming back troy don't worry wait yeah. who wait who are you talking to it's just me and jake what are you, oh right what are you saying oh what are you saying what <laughs> anyway from russia with love um it, it's a fun time that with very silly one-liner. Okay, wait. Wait, there's one thing that we haven't talked about that we should talk about. We got into, like, a lot of the plot. We got into a lot of things, but we failed to mention probably the best Bond ally, Ali Karimbe. Ali Karimbe. Ali Karimbe. Played by the late great. Played by Pedro Almandaras. The, the pride of my country, Mr. Pedro Armendaris. Most people today would say a Mexican superstar playing a Turkish spy who lives in <laughs> who who lives in the catacombs with rats that they had to paint brown because they couldn't find any brown rats. With chocolate. Yeah. But yes, you could you could say he was the blue beetle of his time. Just a a Latino action superstar. He was. He, he was probably the single most famous actor in all of Mexico when he was alive. Nice. And this was like his biggest uh, thing that he did with the exception of The Conqueror with John Wayne, which is the thing that killed him. And rightly so. I mean, cancel culture, am I right? Everyone's out there playing Genghis Khan and you know, you gotta be careful about that. <laughs> Very sad. No, but seriously, huh. they killed him. They filmed at a nuclear test site. Yeah. Yeah. 50% of the crew died. John Wayne died, Dick Powell died, Susan Hayward died. That suit was, that shoot was so disastrous. Howard Hughes felt bad about his actions. Do you, do you realize how bad that has to be for Howard Hughes to feel bad about something he did? Like, that's awful. It was pretty bad. The, the story goes, he was already feeling bad, but when he gets to Pinewood Studios, he starts mm. feeling terrible uh, to the point where they have to shoot all of his scenes first. And then... I don't know if it's a legend or if it's confirmed, but apparently, like, Terrence Young... Yes, uh, body uh, doubled, doubled for, for yeah. him. Yeah. yeah. And then uh, he was flown into L.A., and then he tragically uh, shot himself with a gun that was given to him by the Mexican president, Benustiano Carranza, which Wait, is... Wait, really? The I don't know. Yes. Actually. Oh. Yes. This is, this is an anecdote told to me by his grandson, who is also called... So this movie is connected to two different presidents and two different guns. Mm. Yeah, I was actually going to say one. Jake has become unstuck in time. Two. Uh, wait. Okay. Question. So did the president of Mexico give him this gun in the past, or did he fly into L.A. and? <laughs> Here you go. Here's a gun. <laughs> Just ended, man. Uh, no, he already was in possession. Oh, okay. Actually, I'm like, what? <laughs> yeah, the president of Mexico went into the Setter Sinai Center and shot him. <laughs> <laughs> On a state trip? He's like, so sorry to hear about your diagnosis. Yeah. He, he disliked From Russia with Love that much. Uh, 
How no, dare the, you? Brutal. The, the, the story actually goes that Pedro Armendariz, uh, he's at the hospital. He tells his wife to go get him a, a sandwich. And then by the time the wife comes back, he's already dead. Uh-huh. Yeah. Wow. So that's this is the sad part of the podcast. If you watch on Tubi, there's a movie he made with Paulette Goddard. That I have in the watch list, but I don't have the name of the movie on hand. But it's on Tubi. You know and he's very good at as Kareem. He's very yeah, charismatic. He's wonderful as yeah, he is he is so fucking likable. He is like yes. like the cool uncle <laughs> that is just like you, you know, he's just like this guy who's been doing this like cat and mouse game with Russians for seemingly years. And he's he is just so chill about everything. Or like, oh yeah, sometimes we spy we spy on them. And he's so chill yeah. about all of this. His his office explodes. Yeah. And he's just like, yeah, you know what happens. I've missed work when I have an ingrown uh, toenail. You would never guess that this guy was like in immeasurable yeah. pain. Yeah. While shooting this movie. No, he is. He just looks so happy and so into it. And he's such a trooper. He sells that middle 30 minutes of the movie where for some reason we're not talking to Daniela Bianchi. And it's just horribly racist against the Romani. And it's horribly sexist. And Sean Connery's just walking around looking at things. Like, he, he sells that. I think he saves, to some extent, that passage of the film. As much as an actor's performance can, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. As much as you can. The fact that he and Bond also almost have the same introduction, like yeah. the woman's running out of his office, like it's like, ah, yes, we understand each We're other before they've even met, right? right. Yeah. And like it's yeah. implied the villains are almost trying to kill him more than they want to kill Bond. No, like, they want to kill him because they think that he killed the Russian guy in the beginning. And so they send the Bulgarian Krilenko to put a limpet mine on his on his office and then he's just like wait why are they trying to kill me we never try to kill each other or we don't we barely try to kill each other why are they trying to kill me for no reason but it's all specter playing off the russians and uh and the english which uh coming after the cuban missile crisis where like tensions are high and they're just like maybe we shouldn't make the russians the bad guys in this maybe they they're they're just like a pawn. Speaking of and how... And instead you get... Oh, I was... Oh, wait, finish your point. Uh, Sorry. No, I was going to say, instead you have uh, this non-political outside crime syndicate playing off against one another, and it stands the test of time and makes the film less... Da- or at least the villain... Or the, you know, the, the villains and stuff less dated. Yes. Speaking yeah. of how the Bond series depicts Soviet subterfuge... Uh, a Bond actor who later will become a series regular, I believe his name is Walton Gotell. What is it? Walter Gotell? Yes, Walter Gotell, who plays the head of the Smirsh, like the Soviet intelligence guy in the later Moore films. He's the guy running the assassin school that looks like the Babylon shooting set. Oh my oh God. My God. That's him. I didn't put two and two together. You're right. When we first recorded this podcast three years ago, Jake, I told you this. Why didn't you retain it? What are you talking about? Wait, what are you talking about? Troy, that was last week. What what year is it? Oh, my God. We've never recorded this before. I've never seen any of you people before. Who's talking? We have never talked about From Rush With Love. 
we we didn't record an episode before this years ago, <laughs> then drop it and then record it. I remember it because I was there. It's the same format. Nothing has changed. The format is exactly the same. It's exactly the same. Exactly the same. There were no technical difficulties that uh, horribly derailed this entire series. Um, and now we're back up. It's all right. Uh-oh. Looks like our producer is spilling the beans a little too much. Looks like we're going to have to pull a fucking shoe with the, with the poison on him. Don't kick me. I got a chair. <laughs> Again, gritty, grounded action. Just Sean Connery getting thrown around very small rooms. Yes. Did you know that the the shoe with the with the knife thing is an actual thing that KGB agents did actually have? Yeah, I I, I was like, this could be kind of useful. I mean, I, yeah. I wouldn't get in a maid outfit and try to kick someone to death with it, but yeah, it could be kind of cool. It was only what not so long ago that they they poked a guy with an umbrella, yeah. right? No, it's true. Yep. It's um it's I always forget how late in the game that gadget is introduced cuz I feel the knife shoe is the from Russia with love gadget. And I'm watching it again l last night and I'm like, "Oh yeah, it's in like the third to last scene. Like Red Grant's already dead and there's more movie and they're like, "We got a knife yeah. shoe." Well, it's just <laughs> kind of funny that like everything is going to plan the entire movie and then because Red Grant is so bad at his job and dies Pretty much the last like fifteen minutes is them scrambling, going <laughs> like uh uh a uh, helicopter boat uh Rosa Clive, you're gonna dress up as a maid and kick him with a poison shoe, fuck it. We killed the chess guy. We have no more excellent, well thought out plans. Put on this outfit. Yeah, we've got one more ace up our sleeve. They they, they, re they revert to like what should have been Plan A, which is just like just just go look for him and shoot him. <laughs> like, right. No, because then that, that's what they end up doing anyway. They're just like, oh, but we have this plan where we're going to humiliate the British government and James Bond at the same time. Ha 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 Oh, shit. Maybe we should just shoot him. Fuck. Yeah, that was, that was the worst plan ever. As as much as I love Peter Hunt and his snappy attitude, I think that scene goes on forever. And I... Which scene are you talking about? The, the, the Romani cup. And it's it's very much like a non sequitur, and the the whole first half of the movie kind of feels like that to me. I I like to describe this movie as like the movie that gets good when they get on the train. Yes. Because before that, I'm kind of checked out, and then I'm like, oh, it just became kind of like a Hitchcock movie. Yeah. Now it's fun. It, and then it's awesome. But yeah. 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 Like if I was gonna, I maybe I should have said this earlier, but uh, but I hadn't been introduced so. Um, okay. but I was, I was counting it. Yeah. James, <laughs> the real James Bond is not on screen until like 18 minutes into the movie. And then, and then they hang out in Istanbul for a bit, which is with, you know, with, with our, with our, with our friend Kareem, right? Ali Kareem Bey. In the yes. book, he's called Darko. Uh -oh. <laughs> yeah. I thought you said his, I thought you said his name was Harpo at first. Is he, is he Harpo? <laughs> they they couldn't get the rights to that. These, these are my sons, Curly <laughs> and Mo. And Mo. Family blood is the best guarantee. We don't talk about Shemp. <laughs> we don't. Do not, we don't talk don't about Shemp. He uh, he got. Karim actually died in a tragic uh, Three Stooges stunt. <laughs> he, he, he... <laughs> well, they, they, they were, he was trying to like poke out his eyes, but then he ended up getting stabbed at the back. <laughs> 
Oh, no. Would you like to see my Three Stooges routine? You are the friend of Karim Bey? Yes. There's been a terrible accident. That was the end of that. But yes, the famous scene where, yeah, I mean, Ian Fleming's original vision was... Ian Fleming's original vision, excuse me, was that Bond would have to choose between um, whether uh, uh, Curly or Moe would have to marry him. (laughs) (laughs) And in the end, everybody wins. Uh, Fun fact about Ian Fleming that relates to the JFK fact earlier. This also was the last James Bond movie Ian Fleming saw before he died. Uh, yes. I mean, it makes sense because they just get more nonsensical and unlike the books as they go on. Well, the the books are already pretty nonsensical, but there's, there's there's a little bit of like, but like, you know, it's already pretty ridiculous in the books, but the movie like owns it, like completely goes tongue in cheek and doesn't, doesn't give a fuck. And they're like, yeah. This is this is great. It's fun. I think it's I think it's funny that like by, by the time you get to I think like the spy who loved me like they're still using the book titles but they're not like adapting the books anymore. Well, you only live twice is really the first one where they just go like uh Japan. <laughs> That's it. And they're like, well, there's a castle in the movie and Blofeld's in it. Yeah. What if we made it a volcano? There are volcanoes in Japan. Let's find a volcano in Japan and. Th- instead of a castle, because there's no castles in Japan. Speaking about that, um, does anyone else feel like, even though this movie like did advance and establish a lot of James Bond stuff, but in my mind, Dr. No feels a little more James Bond-y than this That's one. what threw me at first, is Dr. No has the giant lab that- It has the layer, yeah. yes. Yeah. And, and it has the bad guy with the deformity and all that stuff. Cause yeah, cause this was the attempt I feel, I mean, they're taking from the novel, which again, the order's out of order, right? But like, yeah. From Russia With Love is a grounded thing, so- they came back from Dr. No, which is super grounded until the third act when yeah. the dragon appears and then that's gone. <laughs> um, but then this one, it's like super grounded and they really, I feel not until License to Kill did they ever try to make a Bond movie as, ground, as grounded as this one again. So it does feel very strange compared to the other film. Oh yeah, absolutely. For for your eyes only kind of tried, but it <laughs> But it has a Zamboni and the tree makes a funny noise when he bounces yeah. off. And, and Bill Conti's and does, score is uh, very silly. With, and it does it starts with with uh, James Bond throwing a uh, uh, not Blofeld down a chimney. <laughs> After he said I'll buy you a delicatessen. I'll buy you a delicatessen. What the fuck does that mean? <laughs> Why? What do you think Blofeld needed to lure Bond to Istanbul? Couldn't he have just lured him to his delicatessen, which I'm sure is much more convenient for everyone involved, um, and just shoot him? I don't know, Blofeld. But yeah, there were attempts to to recapture the the greediness, but we'll have to see when we get to it. <laughs> Yeah, right. Not until Timothy Dalton. They they kind of like... I will also say, speaking of how this movie is trying to be grittier, I feel the one-liners in this movie... Connery is very visibly exhausted every time he says a one-liner in this movie. He's like, put it there! 
old man or she got her kicks like just low energy i was i was gonna say that i made a note about this that i'm like uh, trying to chart the trajectory of the you know quote-unquote dry cool wit of of like action men right Uh like that you know he's i feel like we're somewhere in between you know Cary Grant, you know, in uh, in North by Northwest, and uh, and then you know, ending up in like like Schwarzenegger territory, where like <laughs> they're gonna say a funny line, but it's just completely like, oh yeah, he he got what was going to him, you know. <laughs> <laughs> no, well, that was uh, that was there in, in Doctor No. It's it, it's very much more in the Schwarzenegger camp of yeah. I this think, is a regression. I think they're on their way to a funeral. Yeah, and he's like, he's not even like selling. Like he's just like, yep, I think they're, you know. Well, that's what makes it so great. It's just that, like, just like Sean that, Connery. It can feels sell natural it. to me. I kind of like it. Yeah, this feels like he's in danger, and he actually, like, he could have gotten kicked to death in that hotel room. He was scared. He's he's coming down from the adrenaline. There you go. Doesn't he have one after the boat thing? Um, yeah. Oh. There's a reference when the plane goes down, which was taken from North by Northwest. He turns to a guy and goes, well, looks like one of our aircraft is missing, which is a 1942. It's the first Michael Powell Emmerich Pressburger co-directed film that is a British spy film. And it's so funny that he's making this crazy specific reference to a movie that came out 20 years earlier. And he's like, one of our aircraft is missing. One of the archers best, isn't it? And I'm like, that's funny that no one else gets today. But anyway, that's uh, that's one for the Brits. That's why they, they got their franchise. Okay. I will also say now that you're mentioned, we're talking about boats. Uh, <laughs> obviously, you know, the fight and the, and the helicopters is what it's all about. The boat thing, <laughs> I mean, it makes sense that uh, that they, they they did the whole thing and had to redo it. Um, the one part where I'm like, oh, shit, uh, that's kind of insane is when the guys are, like, on fire and they're, like, jumping in the water. Oh, yeah, yeah that's great. They're, like, directly jumping through flames, yeah. right? I, I feel like you don't, you, don't, you don't see that much anymore. Like, the explosion is, like, eh, but then they, when they're jumping off and yeah. they're fleeing, you know... Like they have like shots from like a mile away of these men like completely on fire, you know. They actually yep. filmed a lot of that in the Pinewood Studios tank because like some of that was the explosion was filmed out on a real, uh, out on a real body of water, and then they went to Pinewood Studios for like all the the flame stunts, I think. Okay. And so that's where the, and they're lighting everybody on fire. People are like ju- like explosions are happening. They're like ah flying backwards now generally the set pieces in this movie are pretty i mean i know that the helicopter thing is like a yeah north by northwest ripoff whatever but it's still really impressive it no well the thing is is that the helicopter is actually like going down diving at sean connery they're not like they're not it's there's no real real. there's no yeah there's no rear screen projection and it's like it's like a jankier version of the north by northwest scene because yeah there's still like that artifice in in north by northwest as much as i love it and that i love that scene but the the thing that makes this one stand out is like oh no this they actually did this sean connery had to dive out of the way out of a helicopter coming out after (laughs) 
It looks amazing. The level yeah. of coordination to direct the helicopter and Sean Connery, you know. Uh, I mean, yeah. it's difficult to do it shit like that now, but in the 60s where all they had was like a shitty walkie-talkie, yeah. you know. It's, it's pretty crazy. Yeah, like it's clearly all on location. And yeah. uh, I don't know. It almost feels like like maybe, I mean, it, you know, obviously there it's an homage, you might say, to a movie that came out like, what, four years yeah. earlier. Yeah. But... Uh, <laughs> I wonder if there was some level of like we can top this. Yeah, yeah, that, probably that that Hitchcock guy Hollywood, you know. And and also the the train the 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 fight scene. Uh, yeah, the, the, the great classic hand to hand combat. Yeah, Where and they... it's just so satisfying the fight and like the conversation before because mm. that's literally like all of the payoffs in the movie, <laughs> right? Like. Yeah. Everything with the briefcase, everything with, you know, uh, uh, Shaw and, uh, it's, it's like, oh yeah, pay off and then fight and then he kills him. And, uh, and I think I don't remember the line, but he has a line. No, and, you won't be needing yeah. this old man. Old man. <laughs> no, there's a solid, like, that's the, that's why I think this movie is so weird. It's a good movie and you know, it's entertaining throughout. But there's that 36 minute chunk from like an hour in to like hmm. 60 that um, that you know uh, kind of boring, kind of boring, <laughs> and then it keeps yeah. going, and you're like, yeah. okay, yeah, and like, and and we're not even, also not even talking about like when they're on like the well when he makes the recording that they listen to back at MI6, all the convolution of like where is the lector, and then the first part of the train, like before, uh, you know, what's his face gets on uh, before they stop. Red Grant. Yeah. Yeah. Well, Red Grant's on the entire time, but that, but before, uh, are you saying like before current Bay is killed? Yeah. But they're kind of chilling, you know, um, where they're, uh, playing dress up. Yeah. <laughs> try, try this on. Yeah. It's playing like the the magical Disney version of the from Rush with Love theme, the bong, 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 bong. <laughs> Yeah, those oh, are it's, yeah. It's charming. I like that Red Grant is sort of introduced as like a like an Ivan Drago, like just this big moron, and then he gets on the train and he's like, "How how are you, old man?" <laughs> like, no, that's great. I love that twist. Well, uh, the weird thing about Red Grant. And especially watching it recently is that like the there's like this weird uh, class distinction between them because like a part a part of like that whole scene like the the main tell of what throws Bond off is that he orders Chianti with his uh, grilled soul, which you, I I guess you can, it's uh, unthinkable that an English gentleman would order red wine with a fish dish. And after he points that out, like Red Grant is like offended by this going like, oh, you, you, you prissy like this person. Like that's like a big thing of like what like makes Red Grant like mad at Bond. Weirdly enough, noticing this time, it's just like, yeah, I don't care about your fancy shit. Fuck you. I'm going to kill you and shoot you to death. You <laughs> bitch. Fuck you. Yeah. Makes you yeah. think. So, and of course, the cool thing with seeing Robert Shaw and Sean Connery go to bat is that they got a rematch 13 years later in what I think is Sean Connery's best film, Robin and Marion, where he plays Robin Hood. 
and Robert Shaw played uh, the sheriff of Nottingham and they kind of reverse roles where Robin Hood is like the determined outlaw and the sheriff of Nottingham is like the put upon public servant who's like, not this guy again. I got it. <sighs> For a second, I thought you were going to tell me that he came back to life and never say never again. John Cotterie's best I wish. <laughs> they needed that. They needed that. And, and it was, and what's even better is that Never Say Never Again was filmed after Robert Shaw died. So they used the groundbreaking oh, yeah. uh, CG technology oh. to bring back Robert Shaw. Was to... he, wait, was he sick during Jaws? When did he die? Uh, he died in 78. He, I think his last okay. movie was, the, the, was it The Deep? No. Well, yeah, maybe, maybe it was The Yeah. Was it The Deep? Let me see. That might have been his last movie. He only was fifty-one years old. He was a drunk. Yeah, I don't know if I don't think he was doing great on Jaws, honestly. Uh, yeah, yeah. I mean, I mean, personally, uh -huh. yeah. <laughs> oh my God, he died of a heart. So he worked on he worked he was in Force Ten from Navarone, and both him and the director died of heart attacks during post production on that movie. Oh, I think he died while he was in the car with his family, and he uh -huh. was. And I think he actually died on the side of the road. Oh, that's sad. It's it's better to imagine that he died uh, by being stabbed by James Bond. No, he he gets garroted by his own watch, Garrett Wire. Oh, you see, I wasn't paying attention. Though. Wait, Jan. I was watching TikToks on my phone. <laughs> God damn it, Jan! We've been telling you since the beginning. Stop using the TikToks. This is a very important podcast. Everybody's listening to it. This is a big responsibility. We need to tell the people what we think of this 60-year-old series. Dude, these movies are old and boring. I, 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 in all honesty, I'm just watching Family Guy while this thing's in the background. Okay, Family Guy TikToks. <laughs> well, you should think twice about that, Jam, because in this, the year 2020, uh, our president, Donald Trump, is actually at war with China, and they, he's going to take TikTok away from you. You better think about that. And then what will you do? Oh, my God. I, I will kill myself. What year is this? Anyway, we, thanks for joining us, folks. <laughs> well, before we get to the end, here's another story. Apparently, when they were editing for Rush With Love, Peter Hunt called Terrence Young into, a, into the editing lab and was just like, here, I got I got the scene edited, and it's the scene where uh, Q is demonstrating the Attache case. So it goes to the scene, and it's like, Connor's like, turn the catches like that, and open normally. And when he opens it up, it cuts to a giant explosion, the giant explosion from Dr. No, and it goes like, and then you just hear the Bond theme, and it goes to credits. <laughs> The original, the original YouTube poop. Uh, that's pretty cool. <laughs> that's why Peter Hunt is a genius. He's a fucking YouTube pooper. He was fucking memeing this shit before. On Her Majesty's Secret Service is like a YouTube pooper. <laughs> yeah, I would agree with that. Yeah, yeah. No, yeah. All, all Bond films run the risk of being YouTube poop. It's inherent to the structure of just random nonsense. Also, if you want one more, this, this is this is my last behind the scenes story, but I found this really funny. So they were shooting the, the exteriors of the Orient Express and uh, the crowd control in Istanbul was insane because like, there was just like hundreds of people surrounding the set and they couldn't get anything done. And Terrence Young got so frustrated that he told the, his stunt coordinator to provide a distraction to get people away from the set. 
And so what he did is he went to a building across the street and dangled from the balcony, <laughs> making everybody go over there, go like, oh my God, this person's... And then while everybody was distracted, they finally got the, the shots of uh, Sean Connery and Danielle Bianchi hopping on the train. <laughs> you see, this is when movies were movies. They were nightmares. You shot them in four months. They were under two hours. And... <laughs> And 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 pretty much everyone died. Yeah, uh, pretty much. And and if people needed to raise their spirits, Sean Connery would be like, "Wow, she should have closed her mouth." Oh, okay, okay. Question about the mouth yeah. fixation in this movie. Sure. I know I implied I wasn't going to talk about it. This movie has a mouth problem. <laughs> like, there is like parts of this where Sean Connery is just obsessed with mouths. Like, is it big enough for me to fit in? Is it not big enough? And I'm like, what's his deal? Like, when he shoots, the, when Kareem Bay shoots the guy in Anita Ekberg's mouth. His name is Krilenko, like, goddammit. Yeah, whatever. He's not relevant. But he's in this woman's mouth, and he's and Connery's like, wow, he, she should have shut her mouth. <laughs> and I'm like, how? You wouldn't have been able to shoot him if she didn't open her mouth, James. It's, Maybe it's the... <laughs> get your quip attached to the relevant thing instead of being worried about if a man can fit in that mouth. Then he goes back to his hotel room, do, 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 do. And he's like, oh, a woman in a black lace-up necklace. That's her whole personality. And then he's like, oh, I like the shape of that mouth. And her mouth's like barely open. And he's like, bring it up for me. And I'm like, what are you on about, James? Well, I think I can explain this, Troy. Uh, mouths, uh, you eat with them, but you can also uh, suck penises with them. And Jake's on. But they can also, they can also open and criticize men. So that it's a, it's a, it's a knife's edge. You walk with mouths. That was actually a note by Ian Fleming that that's what it meant. Yeah, I, I, I think that's pretty much the meaning behind that. Um, Oh yeah. Last piece of trivia. Apparently, I don't, I don't exactly remember one, but uh, there's a shot of uh, Bianchi's legs, and apparently, how Terrence Young disliked them so much that he got like another actress to double for them. It's like the opposite of Tarantino. He's all about the mouths, not the legs. A, a, yeah, <laughs> but it just reminded me, like, man, the '60s were something. Something else. else. I mean, wait, wait. So, so they... it's not it's not her legs. It's not her voice. Uh, yeah. Yeah. How many of these how many of these Bond women are, you know, uh, synthetic? Uh... <laughs> I don't think there's a Bond girl who has her own voice until Goldfinger. <laughs> yeah, that's the ir irony is everyone's like Goldfinger is the most sexist. And I'm like, but that's actually Honor Blackman doing all of that yeah no because even like progress wasn't um jill masterson she was dubbed too by the same lady and she she almost played uh tatiana in this movie she was in the running and daniela bianchi was the second choice because the first choice was an actress who does not have a wikipedia page and she was fired because she wouldn't sleep with a united artist executive yeah the 60s yeah. man oh the Jesus. 60s they were fucked <laughs> you know they were they were awful but the but the suits were incredible the suits were incredible oh everyone looks dressed to the nine even when she's wearing that grandma dress everyone looks great everyone looks fucking great it's it's such a difference from uh roger moore wearing his like disco outfits wearing like his bell-bottom uh, tuxedo pants yeah <laughs> <laughs> it's nice to have tact 
Again, that's good. That's that's what I that's what I love in the uh, the Roger Moore gun barrel scenes because he has like just those those baggy pants, those baggy pants, and it's just and it's playing like the seventies Bond music. That's right, Grandpa's coming to prom. (laughs) (laughs) He's coming to prom. Yeah. Would you take uh, uh, Roger Moore's bell bottom jeans or George Lazenby's kilt? Oh, the kilt. kilt. Kilt, yeah. George Lazenby. Right. I mean, we'll, we'll get to the kilt when we that, get to that movie. But That uh, was a full circle moment because he's in a kilt. He gets dubbed. So in a way, Lazenby becomes the woman. Of the... You know, it's true. <laughs> that is... the Bond girl. Well, no, well, he goes to a girl's school in that movie and he gets hit on when he wears by women, when he wears the kilt and is dubbed by the man. Well, well think about it, George George Lazenby also gets stood up by Tracy in the beginning, and he yes. is the and he's played by a model, and he's dubbed. Yes. He is a Bond girl. He's it's a Bond girl. George go. Lazenby, my favorite Bond girl, like my seventh favorite Bond. He's higher than David Niven, but we'll get so to that. We'll get to I have, that. I have uh, two final questions. One sure. is this or Doctor No, and number two is which one had the more convincing Sean Connery to pay. Do we want to go in a circle on both, or do we just want to chime in? Um, we can go in a circle. Uh, Troy, do you want to go first? Sure. Um, again, when I first watched the movies, I preferred the lair of Dr. No, but having watched this movie three times now, I think... Oh, why have I watched this movie three times? This, this I, podcast is going to be fucking torture. Yeah, <laughs> I think this is superior than Dr. No because the villains the villains are better and the action set pieces are better done. So I prefer this. Now in terms of toupee, um, I don't know if Connery wore toupee in Dr. No. I believe he did. I think this one is a little more under control. I feel in Dr. No, it veers up into a little bit of a duck fin and it looks a little silly. Mm. I agree. I think... This toupee is better. Sometimes it's a little noticeable, not quite as much yeah. as Goldfinger, but in this oh, one, yeah. I think it's the most convincing. Yes. Uh, so in, in toupee, it's a 10 out of 10. Uh, <laughs> the movie itself, I would probably give like a 7. Like I said, it gets really, really good when it uh, gets on the train and all the villains remind me of Austin Powers, which is yeah. great. Um. But I don't know. Rewatching this and Doctor No, um, there's something beautiful about just the simplicity of Doctor No, and the small budgetness of it. Of like James Bond, you have to go to this place. There's this bad guy. Uh, he's doing shit. Disable him, you know. Uh, in this one, it's more of a convoluted 4D chess kind of plot. Uh, but when it gets good, it gets real good. So I think I'm going to give the edge to this one. But I, I, I have them both pretty neck and neck, I think. Yeah, same with me. I would put From Russia With Love at 7.5, which is four stars, and Dr. No at like seven, like three and a half. Well, I'm going to have a hot take. Oh, my God. Okay. Jake? I mean, we disagreed, so what's the third option? The hot take. Dr. Dose toupee is much better. Oh, what? Uh, it actually behaves like hair. It gets messy. He get when he gets wet, it drips down his face. What? When he gets sweaty, it falls out of whack. It looks 
like hair. In From Rushed With Love, it gets messy. It's still pretty okay, but it is unnaturally still kind of combed after that fight. In the middle of that fight, when he's getting thrown around on that train, it's a little too... I'm like, I don't believe it would... Only a couple tufts would fall down. Dr. No, you get full full down like it plops down on his face. And that's that's more believable. I'm going to give the toupee and Dr. No a 9.5 out of 10. And you can Ooh. also notice that some of it, some of his hair is like drawn in. If you really watch it in HD, like they dyed part of his scalp to make sure that you don't notice the thinning hair. Uh, so for that, I give it a 9.5 from Rushed With Love. It's okay. Eight uh, on the toupee. Now wow. the, I don't know. If now, you're painting his hair in Dr. No, then I feel that's like uh, taking performance enhancing drugs. But, but the hair behaves like hair. When, but when he's singing the, the underneath the mango tree song. Oh, 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 it just looks so weird. No, it but does. it looks it like look hair. Weird. It moves in the wind. It go falls down when it's wet. When he gets hit, he has to readjust it. It looks real. Now, as for my opinion on From Rush With Love, when I was younger... I, this was it, like I liked from Rush with Love, uh, but I didn't love it. But um, now, you know, as I've gotten older, I appreciate it a lot more. The the story's a ton of fun. It gets wacky compared to Doctor No. That is tough because I'm always of the mind that I kind of like Doctor No a little bit more. But I might flip on that actually. Ooh. They're they're both in my top ten. This was my journey. Uh, yeah, they're pretty neck and neck for different reasons. Yeah, yeah. no, because I think I I like Doctor No, like the Doctor No, like kind of hits the ground running. They're like, um, you know, the intro to Bond is like one of the best movie scenes like ever done. Uh, like the introduction to James Bond. Oh, I thought you were gonna say the uh, the three blind mice is one of the one of the greatest. <laughs> oh yeah, that's my favorite. That, such a badass scene. Fuck, fuck you! Don't, don't talk shit at the three blind mice. You mean the uh, original Bond song? The original. <laughs> don't mice. start with me, Troy. We discussed this last week. Look, no, it's a Bond song, and you know what? I like it. Do I like it better than From Russia with Love? Jim Maybe I do. Oh, I, I, I agree too. I was there as well. Uh, yeah, he, he, he remembers. He's, we all remember. Vigorously nodding. I also really like the video game from Russia with Love that had uh, uh, everybody's. Well, it it did the story of the movie, but it also had new characters such as Spectre Agent, played by Maria Menudos. Oh yeah, that's Maria Menudos I also really like the video game. And my wife Melissa also loves the video game. Connery's <laughs> final time as James Bond, and I was looking up clips from that today because I'm like, oh, I bet he was excited to come back. And then it goes through his interview, and he's like, "It's my debut. It's a new thing. You know, the '60s aren't old-fashioned." I'm like, "Oh no, he's still he's still very upset." Oh, you know what's also <laughs> awesome about this movie that we didn't mention? What? What? The the 007 theme. Not to be confused with the James Bond theme, but the 007 theme. The 007 theme is is pretty fucking sick. I like. Yeah. That's the other thing. I like the John Barry music much more than the 
Monty Norman music oh, in yeah, the last. No, yes. Monty Norman's music. Well, Monty Norman's music still shows up in this movie. Well, yeah, uh, he wrote yeah. the theme. Well, well, no, no, no. Uh, like the actual tracks that he composed, like when uh, the when the boats blow up and when the helicopter blows up, it goes into the. And it sounds like a cheesy like hammer movie from the fifties. John Barry is just like, this is a real movie. This is like, this is fucking taking the music and putting it up to the next level. Like, yeah, no, that that's the other thing that gives it the edge for me. I'm leaning towards maybe from Rush with Love over Doctor No for the first time in a long time, and that is Whoa, that is it, the club. that is interesting. And I still it, I still always liked it. I still always liked from Rush with Love. But I like it a little more now. I, I'm appreciating more about it. And, you know, I love these movies. And uh, yep. it's uh, th- this movie changes a little bit every time I watch it. Yeah. So It is um, overhyped in many Bond circles. I feel many yes. Bond fans are like, oh, yeah. no, this is a genuinely great masterpiece. It's not It's not top five or anything. No, like, it's not. It's a mess. <laughs> this is John LaCar of uh, Bond movies. And you're just like... All right, get off the crack pipe now. Uh, yeah, like, get- no, this is gritty. This is real spy stuff. And it's like Kareem Bay has like a submarine uh, stethoscope finder in the sewers of Istanbul. They installed one. <laughs> City officials had to look at the foundation of the Russian consulate. They just He just bribed his way into putting a stethoscope. This is the Mexico City of Bond movies. It's messy and weird, but also kind of beautiful. And I can say that because I'm from Mexico City to our five <laughs> <Fun> listeners. <fact>. <laughs> and Paul, any last minute thoughts? Well, you know, I know it's only been um, a week since uh, Dr. No, but uh, I I saw that once and I've seen this, I guess, three times like Troy. And I think it's got the edge. As with many of these films, uh, it's got some great stuff, and then it's got long stretches that we don't talk about, <laughs> uh, <laughs> even at their best. But uh, yeah, I don't know. I mean, yeah. so uh, we all agree that so far the movies have just gotten better. <laughs> yeah, I was gonna say we have to do with the official vote. So, do we all vote that from Russell with Love is better than Doctor No? I think so. Sure. All right, do we all vote that From Russia With Love is better than the 1954 Casino Royale TV movie? Absolutely not. A a thousand percent. Oh, no. No, Barry Nelson is the greatest Bond. Jimmy Bond. Jimmy Card Sense Jimmy Bond. Card Sense Jimmy Bond. Don't you forget it. I loved him. I love him in The Shining. I love him in Airport. I love him in Casino Royale. 1955. Don't get Jake started on airport. We'll be here. You and your airport movies. All right, that's another podcast, Jake. We'll get to it. And with that, we are ending this third installment of You'll Only Listen Twice. Yay! Hopefully, you'll listen more than twice. Listen to it three times, four times, five times. Six six times. Maybe even seven. Twenty times. 57 times. Give them to your grandma. I hope she doesn't know what half the words are. If you hate your grandma and want her inheritance money, send her this podcast. It will kill her immediately. That's the best advertising (laughs) we can hope for.
But uh, yes, until next time. Until next time, I'm Jake. Oh, I'm Troy. Don't forget to follow us on the Twitter and Spotify and Instagram that we don't have yet. We're on uh, Snapchat. We're on MySpace, Napster, Kazaa, uh, LimeWire, Pornhub. Oh, well. We're everywhere. Uh, what? Huh? You can listen to this for free on Pornhub, but please give us money. Or, or, you, or if you want to masturbate to it, it's fine also. Until next time, folks. Um, I'm Jan. I've I've always been here, and I'm alive. This is Jan. He's always been here. He's, He's got my back. Here. I wouldn't recommend getting killed by him. His podcast took out the souls of its listeners. <laughs> anyway, goodbye. 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 Okay, right. goodbye. That's the power of math.